This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care veterinary specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, you guys are in for a huge treat because we're going to be speaking with Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian, and we'll be right back after these messages. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms, and our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian who has been working seamlessly and so hard for the past several decades trying to improve the quality of care in our pets' homes. So, Dr. Becker, thank you so much for joining us today. Gosh, it's so great to great to be here. I love how your your enthusiasm rises, you know, as you talk about about what you do. And I don't ever think we're blessed that there's so many people out there that have that dream. I always thought about being a veterinarian. I always thought about being a veterinarian and we've got to live the life and here we are four decades into it and still, still love it. You know, it's something that I absolutely love. I love my career. I know you do too, but just so our audience knows who you are, do you mind just telling us a little bit about who you are, where you trained a little bit about your millions of books that you've sold and just giving us a little bit of background about you? Well, a lot of people probably have been into a, a salon or something and they get those books where you look and see, I'd like this hairstyle. I've been a, a hair model and also uh, for tanning products. I'm actually joking. I am so freaking bleached out. You wouldn't believe it. I grew up on a small family farm in Southern Idaho, down in potato country, Idaho potatoes, you bet. That's what we, that's what we grew in a small dairy herd, wanted to be a uh, a dairy practitioner from the time I was about six. So six carries you to 20. I got into veterinary school early and that dream of being a dairy practitioner was gone in 30 minutes. So what happens? How do you carry something for 14 years and it evaporates? The Dean, Leo Bustad, who's probably unknown to most of the listeners, he's been called America's James Harriet. He gave a talk on the human animal bond. He was a prisoner, a Jewish prisoner of war at Sobibor and a Belgian Malinois that was supposed to terrify him, befriended him, uh, strange circumstances. But at the end of his talk, he asked for volunteers for the People Pet Partnership that messed elderly people with homeless pets. And I found myself going from the back of the room to the front of the room to volunteer. So I started to work with shelter pets day one. 
So he taught me about the human animal bond and also the healing power of pets. He was really the first person to look at the human animal health connection as one of the co-founders of the Delta Society. So this love of the bond, when I started doing speaking in the veterinary profession and writing, you know, I was certainly one of the people that helped popularize the bond. When Chicken Soup for the Soul came out, those books, they were looking for somebody to do Chicken Soup for the Pet Lover Soul. And people kept saying, should talk to Marty Becker, should talk to Marty Becker. So I did that. That led to Good Morning America appearance. I didn't do so poorly. I didn't get invited back. That lasted 17 years. Then did another book and another book and other sorts of TV shows. Started a nationally syndicated column, which continues to this day. So I've done network TV for 27 years. I've had a syndicated column through Universal for over 20 years, written 23 books that have sold over 8 million copies a few New York Times bestsellers, three. And I was, I'm old, Justine, I'm old. And I was going to slow down and enjoy that beautiful log home on a horse ranch in the mountains of Northern Idaho. Yes, it's just like it sounds. Uh, the movie, The Revenant was, uh, if you saw those river scenes with Leonardo DiCaprio, that was filmed 20 miles from my house. And the river runs through it, filmed about 30 miles from my house. But dang, I listened to a lecture on fear Dr. Karen overall, the board of behaviors ruined my life because <laughs> my family actually had an intervention to slow down because of fear free. Tell me what exactly fear free is. A lot of pet owners haven't heard of it while most veterinary professionals have. What's your elevator ride description for what fear free is for dog and cat owners and any species out there? Yeah. It, what fear free is, is simply looking at both physical and emotional well-being of animals. I don't think any of us, if we saw a baby in distress. They're crying, all heads swivel. Oh gosh, you know, we feel this empathy and we want to help. Is the baby got gas or is it hungry? Does it have a dirty diaper? Does it need a nap? Nobody just goes, oh hell with it. <laughs> Cry your eyes out, you know, Thursday night football's on or shut up. You know, we're having dinner. We're all concerned about it and pets get distress. And if it was thunderstorms or fireworks or hunting season or leash aggression, uh, you know, having a bad experience on the Starbucks patio, it was just like, oh, yeah, well, and now it's over. And they're every, every animal, let's focus on pets here, but it's true of every animal is the equivalent of a one-year-old child. Here's the similarities. They're taken against their will. Some would call it hell care, number one. Number two, they have zero idea why the procedure benefits them. Number three, they have, can't anticipate or expect the relief of fear, anxiety, and stress and pain, even if it's moments away. And number four, they have no control. So if I could explain it in a story, whether you got a COVID shot or a flu shot, let's just say you got a COVID shot or, or flu shot if you didn't get a COVID shot, or you got a measles shot, and I don't care what vaccine you got. You go by free will, you know why it benefits you, you know, when I go to the pharmacy to get that flu shot every year, it's it's 15 minutes and then COVID is 30 minutes. And then if you got scared or had second thoughts, you can just walk away at any time. So a pet is taken against their will for a vaccination. They don't know why it benefits them. They don't know that, hey, this is only going to take 30 minutes max and then we're out of here and they can't flee the threat. So basically fear-free is just as much emphasis on the emotional well-being of the animal as the physical well-being, exactly what we would do with a child, with a grandchild, with a nephew or niece. 
Now, if, this is so important because as veterinarians, we're always working on making sure that your pets are healthy. Now, why is it so important for pets to not only be healthy, but also to be happy? Gosh, I got to go back to Karen overall. I don't know if you remember, Justine, uh, Randy Posh, there was a, it was a internet sensation in a book called The Last Lecture. I don't remember what university he was at, but he was dying and he gave this, this one talk, you know, what's the, if I could only give one talk, what is it? Karen, overall, it wasn't her last lecture, but man, she had me whipsawed from the start. Her opening line was, fear is the worst thing a social species could experience and it causes permanent damage to the brain. Then she followed by those of us in veterinary medicine or those who care for animals are causing repeats of her psychological damage to pets by what we were doing or not doing. And the third line was behavior produces a physiologic response. So behavior is medicine. And anybody that's that's worked with pets or your own pets have seen signs of fear, anxiety, and stress. You know, the dog is, is shivering, shaking, panting, yawning, salivating, leaning away, furrowed brow, tail tucked, hiding. We used to joke about cats being F to go into the vet, you know, <laughs> fight, flight, freeze, or fidget. Thank God we got gabapentin now and add another F, like in hey, far out, man. This, I tried to teach in Chong, man, this is nice, <laughs> gabapentin. But it's now you cannot be healthy unless you're also happy. And I think, uh, you know, I've been very open about my mental health issues. I'm a perfect example. You know, there's depression runs in our family. I don't have a, a metabolic issue like my wife has, you know, low thyroid and takes thyroid and We've got uh, uh, one of our kids is epileptic and takes something for seizures. Well, I just take something for depression. And pets have this wide range of emotions. You know, when I, it's really funny, Justine, you're more of a scientist even than I am in veterinary medicine, but I was at the Smithsonian Institute debating somebody early in my career, do pets have emotions? And I remember this knitted brow intellectual was up there and he said, oh, we anthropomorphize things and pets don't have emotions like we do. And I got up there and I go, I got to remember, I got up there. So you must not have a dog because when you come home and you're late getting home or I'm a veterinarian and I come home and those dogs have all these smells on me, they come up to me like, where have you been? You dirty cheater, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so the public sees it. Veterinary medicine, we knew these animals were in distress, but we thought of it as collateral damage. Uh, at least I did. You know, before Fear Free, I was stretching cats out into two zip codes. I was part of a, a rugby scrum or a gang tackle on a pet. By God, we'll get those nails trimmed. And once you have your eyes opened up to what happens when that pet is that distressed, when they literally think they're going to die, whether it's from a thunderstorm or going to the veterinarian or going to the groomer, pretty easy to understand the damage that's done. A couple of things that I just wanted to touch base on. Uh, do you mind just talking about what gabapentin is? A lot of people don't know what this prescription medication is. And how are you advocating for the use of gabapentin to reduce the fear in dogs and cats? How is it used and what is it used for? As we were going around, you know, Fear Free really started. That spark was October 2009. And that led to, she said, fear is the worst thing a social species could experience. And after a couple of Canadian beers, I got this idea, hmm, Fear Free. That, that'd be good if you don't have any fear. But, and by the way, not all fear is bad. That's, I'm getting ready to go to Disneyland with my granddaughter. You know, roller coasters, that's good fear. Haunted houses, that's good fear. 
even anxiety is fine. And so if you can control it, Sudoku puzzles, the New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle, you know, playing bridge or something like that. Uh, as we were on teaching people, I had an old Fred Flintstone. So I used to watch the Flintstones. I was a little kid. And at the start, he'd slide down that thing. Yeah, yeah, yabby, yabba do. And uh, so we had this thing as gabba, gabba do. We had this stupid way of remembering gabba penton. But it's something that's, we don't say it sedates a pet. It's something to calm the pet. And you can give it to a cat in a, in a really small dose. They, matter of fact, this won't mean much, I don't think, to you. Well, maybe well to your listeners. You know, the average dose is about 100 milligrams. People in trap, neuter, and release will give 500 milligrams. It has a wide safety range. But it's like having a glass of wine or maybe a glass of wine and a Valium. Or I'm here in Oregon right now where every block has a bartender and a bud tender. I swear to gosh, you go down there and, and uh, your bud tender helps you find something to just chip, take the chill off. That's it. So these cats, rather than fight, flight, freeze, or fidget, and I'll tell you, Justine, I used to love frozen cats. That cat that would not move, they'd just sit there. You could do any single thing you wanted to it. I didn't know at the time that that's, that's as bad as it gets, which starts out uh, alert. You know, we hear a gunshot. We hear a scream. Uh, the, the cat sees the vet come in. That's alert. Then it's fight or flight. And once you, you're cornered and you feel like you can't move, you freeze. That's why people in World War II would line up next to a trench with a firing squad and not run. You can't move. So those cats, it's a gift. The pet parent just gives it a couple hours before they come to the veterinarian. And those cats are relaxed. They'll take treats. They'll often headbutt you. It's just, it's transformative. And, and Justine, you know, some people say, well, we're fear-free. We just don't call it fear free. Well, fear free is not just gabapentin and easy cheese and spraying yourself with pheromones. But there's two things that most veterinarians have changed. One is gabapentin is used a lot in cats and, and dogs as well. And number two, people give uh, oral bordetella instead of intranasal bordetella because <laughs> squirting water in a in the nostrils of a mammal is not very uh, pleasant. I will also advocate, I'm a huge fan of gabapentin and please be aware it is a prescription medication. So you do have to see your veterinarian or call to discuss this, but I'm a huge advocate, especially for cats. Now, this is a really safe pain medication that's used both in human and veterinary medicine. And most of the time for vets, we're dispensing it if your dog or cat has nerve pain or different types of pain. It's also an anti-seizure medication and it has what we call a wide margin of safety. It's really, really Really safe. So the dose that I use chronically for cats with osteoarthritis and in my own cat is only about 25 milligrams orally twice a day or even once a day. And in a previous episode of Pet Life Radio ER Vet, I've talked about how my cat was urinating and defecating outside of the litter box and it turned out it was all from osteoarthritis. So with Fair Free, I know, especially for stressed out cats, you can talk to your veterinarian about giving high dose. And so we usually give 100 milligrams a night before the appointment, another 100 milligrams two to three hours before the appointment. And there's more prescription medications that are out there like trazodone. All these medications have really high margins of safety. They're very, very safe and they really decrease the anxiety in your pet. If you have a pug that doesn't like to have its nail trims, and I'll fill you in, no pug likes to have their nails trimmed. You have to give this the night before 
and three hours before the appointment. I promise you it will make everyone's life so much happier. It's going to make your pet's life happier. And again, we always say that healthy pets visit vets. And so in order to minimize that stress from going to the veterinary clinic, from having some anxiety from it, it is so helpful. So when in doubt, talk to your veterinarian about some of these prescription medications like gabapentin or trazodone or different medications out there. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back with some great information from Dr. Becker. So stay tuned. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Marty Becker about fear-free and how we really want to use what I call pharmacological intervention or drugs or great techniques that are behavioral techniques to help minimize and reduce the stress before your pet goes into the ER or to your routine veterinary clinic for regular exam. Now, I've heard you say, Dr. Becker, that one of the most damaging things that a pet can be exposed to is cortisol. And cortisol is that hormone that's released when we're really, really stressed. Now, why is that cortisol potentially harmful? I got a comment first, your pharmacologic intervention. I love that. There's 100 board of veterinary behaviorists in the United States. There's 50 residents, which shows you the popularity of of behavior now. And Fear Free has 65 of those 100 on our advisory group, along with a dozen boarded veterinary anesthesiologists. But they say their little mantra is, think of sedation as a first option, not a last resort. Sedate early and often. And one of them gets up there with this almost this plea cry goes, just give drugs a chance. <laughs> just give drugs a chance. But what a, what a difference. Chemistry. Yeah. And, and I loved how you talked about your own cat, that that's real honest, that, you know, you think, think it's a behavior issue and it's pain, you know, and that's one of the things, by the way, about fear-free is fear-free is caused by something painful or something disturbing. You trim nails too short. That's painful. Now the pet seeing the nail trimmers is disturbing. And anybody who listens to this knows disturbing is now even going into the room or the drawer where the nail trimmers are. You don't even have to see the nail trimmers. A painful is associated with the syringe, a blood draw, vaccination, uh, an, an injection of uh, something to prevent vomiting or an antibiotic. Now disturbing is seeing the syringe. 
So, you know, pain is underdiagnosed and undertreated, and that's a big part of fear. I will tell you about cortisol in the, the best story. It was one of those, you know, Justine, you and I have been veterinary medical communicators. And every once in a while, you get something juicy. It's like, oh my God, did I just hear that? So during COVID, I reach out to the past president of the Mayo Clinic. He's quadruple boarded at Rochester, the mothership in Rochester, internal medicine, oncology, hospice, and palliative care. How do I protect my family? He goes, hey, Marty, guys, funny. I was just talking to uh, Dr. Roizen at the Cleveland Clinic. So you and I know, uh, I'll tell your listeners, the Cleveland Clinic and Mayo Clinic are like the two top medical institutions in the globe. And he goes, we're trying to get the administration to activate pets to treat stress during COVID. Uh, what? What did you just say? And he's talked about, okay, Marty, you interviewed me for the book, The Healing Power of Pets. You know that the enemy of the immune system is cortisol. And so we've got, how do we reduce fear, anxiety, and stress in the population? Well, you know, 70% of Americans have pets. It's a medicine that tastes good. It goes down easy. It has no side effects. It is trusted. And what's it cost to activate it? A bacon strip or pepperoni? And so, and it never happened, you know, instead you got some crazy drugs and stuff you're going to do to protect your family from COVID, right? But isn't that interesting that we were the, the the medical community was looking at deploying pets to reduce fear, anxiety, and stress in humans, which would reduce cortisol. So, you know, that cortisol can be, you know, when they go into the veterinarian and they think they're going to die or they're in grooming and they think they're going to die, there's going to have a hell of a peak of cortisol. When it's bad is when it's long-term unrelenting. So you might have a cat that, well, you found out now during COVID when you're home that there's certain times when a neighborhood cat strolls through the yard and they're territorial and they get upset or another cat's been beating up on it. I found people that found out during COVID, now I know why the dog tears the house apart on Wednesday afternoon. It's because that's when the lawn service comes in the apartment complex and zzz, right outside the window trimming out there and freaks the pet out. Ah, now I know because they come pick up garbage, <laughs> clank, clank, clank. And this is why they find urine where the pet had actually urinated. So once you start looking at the signs of fear, anxiety, and stress, a whole world opens up to you as a pet parent or as a pet professional. Right. Great information. Now, last question. Knowing that you and I are both looking out for pet health and happiness in our pets, whether or not it's dogs, cats, horses, cows, goats, whatever you have, if you had someone who was about to adopt a new puppy, and again, we saw a lot of that during COVID when people were working from home, what are just a few tips that you want to conclude with when it comes to having that pet live the healthiest, happiest, fullest life possible? What do you recommend as a vet? You know, this, what I'm recommending now is different than what I recommended a decade ago. I'll tell you what I would have said a decade ago. I'll tell you what I say now. I would have said to get your pet spayed and neutered early, like at four months of age. And I would have told you to, you know, food, water, shelter, regular veterinary care. But now I know it's so much different than that. So the knowledge evolves. You and I know grain-free diets cause damage. We know early spay and neuter now that we look, look back we were thinking it would prevent 
prostate cancer and mammary cancer, which are rare and easy to treat. And instead, we got some bad things that are <laughs> difficult to treat, some bad cancers and joint problems. So I would say this, I still am a practicing veterinarian. When I talk to pet parents, I tell them, number one, ask your veterinarian what to put in your pet's bowl. It's probably going to change five times in their lifetime and tell them where you're going to shop. Listen, I buy my pet food in the grocery store. Give me some recommendations. I go to a big box store or I buy online or I buy at a pet store. Don't waste your money on super premium foods. And so you want to not feed out of a food bowl. You want to feed it. You want to measure your food out and feed with a food puzzle or food dispensing device. And you want to keep your pets close to what they weighed at a year of age. So on the thinner side, and I can honestly tell you, our dogs, our cats, our horses, everything at Almost Heaven Ranch is on the thin side. And two is some kind of daily oral care, or at least two or three times a week. You're not going to brush your pet's teeth. My wife does. She's an outlier. In, a, in veterinary medicine, I think, I think it's somewhere, isn't it, Justine, around 3% of people brush your pet's teeth, 3 or 5%. It's not very much even in the veterinary profession. So you give something that's the equivalent of an edible toothbrush. Or there's some great new products out now that dogs just love that have the, the veterinary oral health care seal of approval. And then you've got to provide enrichment. That's the third thing. So keep your pets on the thinner side, some kind of frequent oral care. And cats used to, you know, what you used to say, food, water, shelter, veterinary care. No, they have to have a place to hide. They have to have places to scratch, a place to climb. Zoos do a better job of enrichment than most homes. And so find out resources of how you can let your pet express its genetic exuberance, what it was born with, and do it in a way that, uh, like, like using food puzzles, you feed the body and you feed the mind. You know, it's interesting. My general tips before anyone tells me they want to get a puppy is... I honestly tell them, I don't care what you feed, as long as it makes your dog defecate less than twice a day and have a good hair coat, and it's AFCO approved, that you commit to two semesters of puppy obedience for appropriate training in a minimum of two 15-minute increments of exercise, so 30 minutes a day. The fourth thing is obviously making sure that your pet is up to date and protected and on preventative care. But those are my four general rules when it comes to keeping your pet healthy in terms of their physical health. But absolutely love what you do in terms of fear-free because we also want to make sure that our pets are happy. Justine, I have to just cut in. Thank you for reminding me about exercise because I wrote a book called Fitness Unleashed. And I do think you need to get a pet panting tired every day. That's what I tell people. You know, a little dachshund that's chubby is not going to take much. And a big golden retriever that's fit is going to take more. But I believe in that. It's everything you just said right there, I just say. And it's not what you just described is doable. It's easily doable. And thankfully, millennials love to follow what's best for these pets who they think of as their kids. I think that's our target audience. Dr. Becker, love what you do and keep on making those pets healthier and happier. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com on Facebook or Instagram at drjustinelee or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time and we want to thank Dr. Marty Becker and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See with the next episode let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com